Bibles, open to Mark 8, verse 27. We'll be back there in just a few moments. But I am so glad to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. Thank you to the elders for this invitation to come and to speak for you today. I really love being with this church family when I can. I mentioned this in the Bible class hour that it was a few years ago that I taught my first adult class right here. And I was nervous as I could be. Uh, but I'm so appreciative of all the opportunities you've given me to grow. And I've always appreciated Brother Mitch Davis. I look at him and I think, I wish that man just had more passion. I wish he cared more about God because I just can't see it. I really appreciate him and the passion that he has for what he does in his preaching and simply just being a Christian. And my prayer is that I can have that kind of passion as well. And I'm sure you pray that same prayer. If you think back to when you were in school, can you think of a favorite teacher that you had? Can you think of a teacher that impacted you more than any other teacher? For me, that was my fifth grade teacher, Miss Buffy. I love Miss Buffy. She was great. What Miss Buffy taught me was how to really care for people. And as a fifth grader, I could see that. I could watch her teach and understand that as she was teaching me, she really and truly cared for me. She wanted me to learn. And maybe you had a teacher that impacted you as well. But even greater than an elementary school teacher or maybe even a college professor is the master teacher that you serve and that I serve. And His name is Jesus Christ. And when you think about how we sometimes call Jesus the master teacher, why is that? Well, maybe you say Jesus is the master teacher because of His sermons. The sermons that He taught were unlike any other. Mark 1 verse 22 says, the crowds were astonished at His teaching because He taught with authority. And no one had heard anything like His teaching before. So if you think Jesus is the Master Teacher because of His sermons, you would be right. Or maybe you would say, well, Jesus is the Master Teacher because of the parables. The Bible says in Matthew 13 and verse 34 that in certain places that Jesus went, He did not even speak unless He spoke in a parable. They revealed truths about God, about His kingdom, about His Word. So if you say that Jesus is the master teacher because of His parables, you would be right. Or maybe you say, Jesus is the master teacher because of those one-on-one -on -one conversations He had, maybe with His apostles, or maybe with people like Nicodemus, or the woman at Jacob's well. If you say that Jesus is the master teacher, because of his one-on-one -on -one conversations, you would be right. But this morning, I want us to think about another way that Jesus is the master teacher. He is the master teacher because he asked the right questions. In the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, Jesus finished that parable by asking, which of these three proved to be a good neighbor? When Jesus cleansed the ten lepers in Luke 17, He asked the one that returned to Him and said, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? After Peter's confession in Mark 8 that we just read a moment ago, Jesus asks in verse 36,
For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his own soul? Questions are asked. Because information is sought. How often do you hear this question? If you are a parent and you, are, you load up the minivan and you're going on a vacation, you've got a couple kids in the back seat, what's the one question you hear up front? How long does it take to get there? Are we there yet? Why are they asking that? Because they want the information. They want to know how much longer am I going to have to be still? Why am I going to have to sit here for so long? Questions are asked because information is sought. But Jesus, when He asked questions, wasn't asking because He was seeking information. He is all-knowing. Jesus asked the questions for the benefit of the one listening. We read moments ago Peter's confession in Mark 8. This morning, I want you to realize that Peter's great confession was only made possible by the great question of the Master Teacher. Let's read this again in Mark 8, in verse 27. Jesus first asked him in verse 20, uh, sorry, in, verse, in the end of verse 27, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he, and he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. Because Jesus asked that first question, who do people say that I am? He was able to ask that second question. Because he knew what people were saying about him. He was all-knowing. But he wanted the apostles his disciples, to know who He was. If they believed that Jesus was the Christ, that meant that their lives would have to change. Jesus often asks questions that sometimes we are too afraid to ask ourselves. And so for the time that we have left this morning, I want to just look at four questions that Jesus asked. And these four questions will come to you, and they will come to me. And we must give an answer. The first one is found in Matthew 20. Turn to Matthew 20, verse 29 through 34. Matthew 20, 29 through 34. Starting in verse 29. As they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed Him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and they followed Him. When we first read this story, it's easy to think, why did Jesus ask them, what do you want Me to do for you? Because wasn't it obvious? Wasn't it obvious to anyone passing by that they knew exactly what these two blind men wanted? He knew their need. But He wanted them to ask Him to do what no one else could do. And that day, Two blind men were helpless in their society. No one wanted them. No one had work for them to do. No one cared for them. 
All these men could do was simply sit on the roadside and just beg for money from the people who simply passed on by. But when they heard Jesus was passing by, they asked him to do something. Perhaps by his question that he asked them, Jesus was really asking, do you want me to do for you what everyone else does? Do you want me to just give you money? Or do you want me to do something for you that no one else can do? And by their response, they showed what kind of faith they had in the master teacher. So the question comes to you. Jesus asks you, what do you want me to do for you? People today would give a lot of different answers to that question. Some may say, Jesus, be my teacher. Jesus, I want to pattern my life after the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. But is that all He is to you? Some may say, Jesus, be my leader. Jesus, lead my life. Lead me into places of success. Lead me into places of pleasure. But is that all Jesus is to you? Some may say, Jesus, be my friend. Don't condemn me, Jesus. Support me. Be there for me. Is that all He is to you? Now, don't get me wrong this morning. We should all want Jesus to be our teacher, to be our leader, and to be our friend. So when Jesus asked the question, what do you want me to do for you? He's asking us, what can I do for you that nobody else can do? In order for Jesus to be our teacher, our leader, and our friend, we must fall on our knees and surrender our life to Him and say, Jesus, be my Savior. Jesus, save me from my sin. Jesus, open my eyes to my sins and forgive me. And that's a great thing to announce. That's a great thing to say, I believe in the, that Jesus is the Son of God, but that's a harder life to live. And so look at your life. And think about whether your thoughts, your words, and your actions represent your confession that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is the Savior of the world. So to the, mom and, to the moms and dads here with us today, are you teaching your kids what's important by making sure that they show up at every service, that they're involved in their Bible classes? To the young people here, are you showing the students around you at school what Christ looks like? To the older members here, are you still trying to grow your faith daily? Are you still looking for opportunities to work in His kingdom? The question comes to you. What do you want me to do for you? Secondly, in Luke 6, 46-49, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Turn to Luke 6 and verse 46. Luke 6 and verse 46. Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose and the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. When you go back to verse 19 of this 
same chapter in Luke chapter 6, you'll find the reason why Jesus asked such a hard question. Flip over a page back to verse 19 of chapter 6. It says, And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. The people who were following him, they weren't looking to have their lives transformed. They weren't looking for a Savior. They weren't looking for forgiveness of their sins. They just wanted to be entertained by the power of Jesus. But you and I know that Jesus did not come to entertain with miracles. Yes, He needed to perform miracles to show that He had the power, that He truly was the Son of God, but He came to be a servant and to be the Savior of the world. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 21, Whoever has My commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves Me. And he who loves Me will be loved by My Father. Those who I, call, those who, uh, I will love Him and manifest Myself to Him. Those who call Jesus Lord and live according to His Word, they will be the ones to spend eternity with God in heaven. So the question comes to you. Why do you call Me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Are you living your life by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? Or are you just saying, Lord, Lord, and, not following the, and, and only following the commands that are convenient for you? Are you seeking out souls who need to have their sins forgiven? Who are you simply saying, Lord, Lord, and keeping God's gift to yourself? Are you encouraging others when it's hard? Or are you just saying, Lord, Lord, and only encouraging others when it's easy? Are you trusting God when life is good? Or are you only calling out, Lord, Lord, when you've hit rock bottom? The truth is, unless you do exactly what Jesus commands, it does not matter if you call Him Savior, if you call Him Lord, if you call Him the Son of God. Jesus is looking for followers who are willing to confess His name and to obey every single word that He has commanded. So the question comes to you. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Are you ready to give an answer to that question? Number three, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? Turn to Luke 18. Luke 18, let's read verses 1 through 8. Luke 18, starting in verse And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge, judge says. And will not God give justice to His elect who cry to Him day and night? Will He delay long over them? I tell you, He will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? We often look at parables and unfortunately, sometimes we try to make it say things that it really doesn't say. 
This parable is not comparing the evil, unrighteous judge with the holy and the perfect father. It is comparing the faith of the widow to our own faith. Jesus is asking, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth like the faith of this persistent widow? Will He find a faith that believes in a righteous judge? Will He find a faith that cries out day and night? Jesus isn't asking here, will I find believers? Will I find people who simply will admit that there is a God? Jesus is looking for the faith of the persistent widow. The question that Jesus asks here tells me exactly what Jesus will be looking for when He returns. And that's faith. And think about how often Jesus discussed faith with His disciples. Matthew 8 and verse 26, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Luke 8.25, Where is your faith? Luke 24.38, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? So the question comes to you. When the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? What if He comes during the election season this fall? If He comes during the election season, will He find faith on the earth? Will He find a faith that truly believes in Him, truly trusts in Him, even though you may not completely trust the candidate that you vote for? i got to tell you, I enjoy watching the presidential debates. They fascinate me. Because I love seeing how quick people can be on their feet. I, just, I, I love everything about them. And I enjoy it because I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. I will do what I can do. I will vote. Yes, I think about my country. I want the best for my country. But am I worried about it? No. Because I know that all things are in the hands of God. And nothing that happens will be out of His control. Daniel 4 and verse 17 says, That the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will. So what if God comes right now? What kind of faith will He find in you? Will He find a faith that seeks after Him day and night? Will He find a faith that trusts in Him even though you don't know what tomorrow may bring? Will He find a faith that says, God, I'm not sure what decision I should make in this situation, but I'm going to completely trust You. When the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? A faith like the faith of this persistent widow. A faith that brings every problem to God and consistently seeks after His judgment. And that question comes to you. Fourth and finally this morning, do you love me more than these? And this is in John 21. This is at the end of, this is at the end of John's Gospel. John 21 and verse 15. John 21, starting in verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. In verse 15, Jesus asks him, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? When Jesus asks Peter that question, we aren't exactly sure what these is referring to. It could be that Jesus is pointing, is pointing to the fish and asking, Peter, do you love me more than these fish? In other words, Peter, do you love me so much that you're willing to give up that old way of life that you used to have? You will not be fishing in the ocean, but now you will be fishing for men. Or it could be that Jesus was pointing to the other apostles and saying, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Because after all, it was Peter that said in Matthew 26, 33, Though they all fall away, I never will. But the point Jesus makes remains the same. Jesus is asking Peter, Peter, do you love me more than anything else? Are you willing to give up everything in order to follow me? So the question comes to you. Do you love me more than these Jesus asked Peter that question three times. Do you love me? And isn't it interesting to think about that Peter denied Jesus three times just a couple chapters earlier. So how many times will Jesus need to ask you, do you love me? Is there anything in your life that is blocking you from surrendering your whole heart to God? John tells us in verse 19 that Jesus said these things to signify what kind of death Peter would die because he followed Jesus. And what that tells me is this, that giving up everything, surrendering up your entire life to being a Christian, that comes at a cost. You will have to give up something. So is there anything holding you back from completely surrendering your life to God? Is a friend discouraging you from being the example that Christ was? Is a secret sin blocking you from worshiping with your whole heart? Are the pleasures of life so important that you just can't let go and you can't give all the love you have to Jesus? You must be willing to do what the rich young, what the rich young ruler was not, to let everything go and to follow Jesus. So the question comes to you. Do you love me more than these one of the reasons that Jesus is the master teacher, as we've talked about this morning, is that he knew the right questions to ask. He wants to know what he can do for you. He wants to know if you will do what he commands. He wants to know if he will find faith when he returns. And he wants to know if you love him more than anything else in this world. All of these questions are asked of you. And they're asked of me. And are you ready to give an answer? But before we go this morning, let me ask you one more question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Because if you don't, 
It doesn't matter what answer you give to any of these questions if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But if you do and you're not a Christian, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you want to come forward and confess your faith and be baptized, I know there are plenty of people here who, who would be more than happy to help you in that. I know the elders here would love to talk to you, would love to study with you and to help you make that decision. Or maybe you were a Christian in the past. Maybe at some point you did surrender your life to Jesus, but for some reason, you started serving something else. You gave up that eternal life that you had, and maybe this morning you realized that you don't want to lose your salvation anymore, that you want to be saved in Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're here and you're just struggling. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you need prayers. If we can help you in any way this morning, let it be known as we stand and as we sing.